Good morning, church. I'm Evan Sheckler. I'm the discipleship pastor here, and uh, I have the pleasure of continuing along with you in our Are We There Yet? series. And we're talking about the spiritual journey that we're all on, and we're identifying spiritual maturity stages, whether you're an infant, child, young adult, or parent. It's important to know where we are so that we can know how to get to that next stage and continue growing towards righteousness. In the last couple of weeks, we heard Barry define the infancy stage. Last week, we covered the characteristics that define a spiritual child. And spiritual children can be both over and under, uh, underconfident. They swing back and forth in their spiritual maturity confidence. They're a little idealistic, and they can be kind of black and white in their understanding and thinking. And then probably the most key characteristic to the spiritual childhood stage is self-centeredness. And because I think that is where the consumer-driven uh, idea comes from, and most American Christians get stuck right here. And this is the line that it's most difficult to cross because we're just naturally self-centered. And it's hard to give that up. It's hard to move from a me thought process to a they thought process. If we have a congregation full of spiritual children, though, it's very easy to make church about us. This is how congregations become inwardly focused, and it's all about my wants, my needs, my comforts, my likes. Someone once said that the church does not exist to entertain the saved. It exists to train disciples to glorify God and reach the lost. Jesus did not use his three-year ministry to entertain his disciples. Parents don't entertain their children they raise their children. Now, suppose you're, you, you have a child in elementary school, and let's just think through a typical day and the things that that child needs to do and the things that you need to help that child do. Now, most elementary school kids, they know how to wake up. We do that very well. But they might need a parent to make sure that they're awake at the right time in order to get ready for school. They can get dressed by themselves but they might not know what's appropriate to wear for the weather. Shorts and a t-shirt would not be a good thing to wear today. Making breakfast. A lot of kids can make their own breakfast, but we have to make sure that it's not candy. Getting ready to go out the door for school. Oh, don't forget your book, book bag. Did you put your homework in it? Kids know what to do. They just need some, some reminders. Coming home from school... An older elementary school student could, could certainly get off the bus and walk home from the bus stop without being, being told uh, every step of the way to do that. Although this is where I got myself into trouble. Uh, sometimes children don't make the wisest choices, even though we know better than that, because I was on the basketball team and we practiced every day after school. And one day practice got canceled midday, and that was back in the good old days when parents didn't get an immediate notification uh, about, your, about your life. And basketball practice was canceled, and my mom didn't know it. And so I thought, you know, instead of riding the bus home, which I should have because I lived out in the country, my mom, she was figuring on coming uh, to get me after practice anyway, so no harm, no foul. So I'll just go to a friend's house who lives in town, and then I'll run back up to the school when practice is over, or when practice was supposed to be over, and then she'll just be there. 
course, my child brain did not think, my mom's going to notice that there aren't any other cars in the parking lot. And that didn't matter anyway because I lost track of time and my mom caught me running down the street towards the school. That did not end well. See, children need some guidance. They need training and reminders. And all of this, this parent-to-child relationship, it, it needs just that, relationship. Children need time to be invested so that we know what their needs are. A connection has to be formed for the child's sake. Spiritual children need to be connected as well. And this means we have to invest time in them and help them form the connections that they need. And this is going to require more than just a once-a-week hello at a church service. This is going to require more than just attending a life group. My life group's been talking about this uh, quite a lot lately, and we admittedly have not done a very good job of really getting to know one another. We've been together for a while, and we have social time, uh, like most groups at the beginning. We pray for one another, but we've admitted that we've kind of stayed at this surface level. If we took a quiz on the deeper things about ourselves, we probably wouldn't do very well. And if we really want to continuously transform as disciples towards righteousness on this spiritual journey, then we need to know the deeper things about ourselves so that we can help spur one another on. So we've committed to inviting each other over for dinners, hanging out. We've got girls' nights, guys' nights, so that we can uh, go a little bit deeper in knowing one another because discipleship requires connection, especially for the spiritual child. Children don't know what they don't know. So if you're a spiritual child, we're going to outline what you need to know in order to grow into that young adult stage today. Now, if you're a spiritual young adult or a spiritual parent, listen for what you need to do to help the child move on and grow in their spiritual life. Because this is a partnership. It's a two-way relationship here. Children, some of you know the basics. Don't wait for a spiritual parent to grab your hand and step you every single uh, step of the way. You know some things. And, and parents, don't neglect the children. It's easy to think that they can do it on their own, but they still need some help. So while spiritual infants need things shared with them, they need our lives shared with them, they need new habits shared with them, they need new truths from Scripture shared with them, children, spiritual children, need to be connected and so in order for a spiritual child to continuously transform on this spiritual journey, a spiritual child needs to be connected in three ways. And so we're going to talk about these three connections that a spiritual child needs to make. And the first connection that a spiritual child needs to make is to God. Spiritual children need to connect to God. The source of a disciple's growth is God. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What the, what's important is that God makes the seed grow. Spiritual parents have a, a, an important role to play, planting and watering, but God gives full credit to God Paul gives full credit to God for any sort of growth, as should we. The source of a disciple's growth is God. It's vital that spiritual children learn to nurture a personal connection 
to God on their own. Even Jesus talked about his need to be connected to God the Father. Jesus knew he needed a deep relationship with the Father. In John 5, Jesus had just healed a man on the Sabbath, and he further upset those listening because he claims to be equal to God. And of course, we know that to be true, but in that day, the listener thought that was heresy. But let's look at how much Jesus the Son depended on God the Father in John 5, verses 19 and 20. Jesus says, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Jesus' dependence on God is unmatched. And that sort of dependence and connection to God should be the goal of every disciple, to seek after God in a way that connects us to him just as Jesus is connected to him. Jesus knows the, the love of his father because of their relationship. A spiritual child needs to learn to be confident in and dependent upon God's love in their life. And just like Jesus, when we have such a connection with God, he shows us more of himself and he leads, leads us to great works of love and service for others so that God receives the glory. Another example, turn over a couple chapters in John chapter 8, verse 28. Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am He. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. Again, Jesus shows His full dependence on God the Father. And Jesus was taught by God. Did you catch that? Jesus the man grew just like we're growing Describing a young Jesus, Luke 2.52 says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. All right, so we know it's important for spiritual children to connect to God, but how? How do we connect with God? And many of you spiritual children, you know what to do or at least some things on what to do, but you might not know exactly how to do them. I don't want to be the guy that just stands up in here, here and says, pray and read your Bible. Because to a spiritual child, I might as well be saying, here's a toolbox, go fix that car. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. But I'm going to stand here and say, pray and read your Bible. Now, here's the, here's the difference, though. We need to learn how to engage in Scripture. And we need some spiritual young adults and we need some spiritual parents to speak into and teach the children how to do it. The Ethiopian was reading from the book of Isaiah, and Philip came along in Acts 8 and, and said, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, how, how can I unless someone explains it to me? See, there's, there needs to be training involved for spiritual children and learning how to pray and communicate with God. Jesus' disciples came up to him and they said, hey, there is something different in the way you communicate with God. Teach us how to do that. Teach us how to pray. You can read about that in Luke 11. So I'm not just standing here saying, pray and read your Bible. I'm saying, find someone who can help you. And I wish I had time to dive into that, but those are multiple sermons on, in and of themselves. But we, are, uh, we do have a class called How to, How to Engage with God. It's the newest class that we're putting together in the Foundational Five set. And that's going to be available after Easter. So be looking for that class. If you're someone who needs uh, some help in learning how to engage in Scripture, making it come alive 
and getting motivation to actually dive into the Word every day. If you're someone who struggles with prayer and consistency, and, or maybe it feels like your prayers are, uh, hit the ceiling and bounce off, this, this class should be able to help you engage with God. So be looking for that. A spiritual child needs to learn how to be less dependent on a spiritual parent and more dependent on God. Spiritual children need to learn how to feed themselves spiritually. It'd be silly for us to spoon feed a perfectly healthy 12-year-old boy. That would be ridiculous. And yet somehow we, we've, we've gotten into a church culture and where we kind of do that for adults and spiritual children who should have been way, way past that by now. Letting them find answers on their own is a good thing, but we need to point them in a direction in which to find the answers. And allowing them to struggle through different issues without providing a shortcut, uh, a shortcut answer for them helps them grow and, and, and grow in their dependence on God. If you, take, if you never take off the training wheels, of your kid's bike, they're never going to learn how to ride a two-wheel. And yes, they're going to fall a few times, but that's okay because that's part of the journey. Those further, further along the faith journey need to help spiritual children learn these things. Show them how. Teach them how. Help them practice. Encourage them as they do it. This last summer was a big summer in, in my household. Owen, my now five-year-old, learned how to ride a bike last summer. It's the beginning of the summer. It's a beautiful Saturday morning. We'd been working with them, and all the other cul-de-sac kids were out. There's like eight uh, in all. They're all about roughly the same age, and I gave him that last push, and away he went. It clicked, and he was off. He was doing laps around the cul-de-sac. It was the coolest thing. All the older kids then jumped on their bikes. They were cheering him on, and they were riding right beside him. And said, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. You can ride just like us. And then another little kid in the neighborhood who was about the same age as Owen said, you know what? I think I can do that. I'm going to try. He was afraid to do it, but he got out there too. So two four-year-olds at the time learned how to ride their bikes on the same day, and they were getting encouraged by the eight- and ten-year-olds and now we have our own cul-de-sac bicycle gang, and it's, it's fantastic. I love it. That's what spiritual parents and spiritual young adults need to do for spiritual children. The disciples' connection to God is most important. That's why it's listed number one. But the other two, uh, growth needs of a child can, can and should enhance their connection to God. So the second connection a spiritual child needs to make is to family. Spiritual children need to connect to family. And we're talking about the church family here. But this has to be more than just attending church on a weekend. Because most congregations, even if the congregation is only 100 people, it's too big to foster the relational connection that really all of us need, but particularly for a spiritual child. I heard someone say once, we often confuse familiarity with relationships. Now, we may be familiar with each other on Sunday mornings or even in our life groups, but how well do we really know each other? You know Sam, and he's in your life group. Did you know that he's a veteran? You might know that. Did you know Sam suffers from PTSD? Maybe not. Do you know his triggers? Do you know how to care for him if he's struggling? See, these are the things that parents know of their children. 
These are the things families know of each other. And these are the things that rarely are known by fellow church members. Spiritual children need close, deep relationships with God's family. They need people to invest in their lives and intimately care for them. Really, every stage needs this, but particularly the spiritual child. Let's look at a familiar passage in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, this is a familiar passage, and oftentimes it's used to promote good weekend church attendance. And there's nothing wrong with that but that's only once a week. If you have a spouse or a best friend, try only seeing each other once a week and see how your relationship develops. Some of you spouses are like, yes, vacation. No, don't try it. It will not end well. We know that. Negative results will come from a once a week uh, relationship. Before COVID, the national average of regular church attenders was 1.4 times per month. I don't want to even guess what it is now and what it will be in the coming year. How will children grow if they're only being seen once or twice a month at best? If a parent did this to an actual child, he'd be charged for neglect. We have to stop neglecting our spiritual children. They're not going to grow otherwise. Keep your thumb in Hebrews 10 if you've got that open, but go back a couple of chapters to Hebrews 3. We'll come back to 10. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13 says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. We have to come together daily, maybe not physically all the time, but we have to have those connections. How well do you think that we can keep each other, you know, spurred on towards acts of, acts of, of good deeds? How, how well do you think that we can encourage one another if we only meet in a huge group once or twice a month? How well do you think we can do this if we meet in a group of 12 to 25 once a week and spend most of the time going through a curriculum plan or socializing at that surface level? How well do you think we can really be connected to one another if we spend, simply, uh, spend time simply sharing surface-level prayer requests but never truly spending time together to really know each other? How well do you think that we can help spiritual children develop if we only know them on the surface level? We have to take Scripture seriously here and connect with each other on a deeper level because if we don't, we'll continue to stall out in the childhood stage. And decades have told us that this is true. Jesus was the perfect example of how to disciple people, and he shared his life daily with his disciples. He nurtured them. Paul invited younger disciples into his life, and he poured everything that he had to offer into them. We have to figure out a way to do that in the 21st century. We have to make that a priority. Let's go back to Hebrews 10 and start where, uh, pick up where we left off. Uh, Let's start in verse 26. Hebrews 10, 26 
through 29 because I want to reiterate the need for continuous transformation. And I think this passage highlights the seriousness of any refusal to keep moving forward towards righteousness. Hebrews 10, 26 through 29 says, Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and, with, and the rage, raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refuses to obey the law of Moses was put to death and without mercy on the test without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and to have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. If we claim to know Jesus, if we claim to accept the amazing grace that he so lovingly offered, and we expect the benefits of salvation, then shouldn't we be more eager to grow in righteousness and run far away from sinful nature? It is far too dangerous to simply sit in the spiritual childhood stage and try to coast. If you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. Connect to God. Connect to God's family for the sake of your spiritual maturity and for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of those around you. Who haven't you seen in a while? I want you to think of a person. Who haven't you seen in a while that's part of this church? Before the sun goes down today, reach out to that person. Check in on them. Encourage them. Or maybe you're the one that might need some, some help or encouragement. Reach out to someone and ask for it. A loving parent would never judge a child for asking for help. Make a connection to a spiritual family member today. Not right now because you're supposed to be paying attention to me, but afterwards. The third connection a spiritual child needs to make is to purpose. The spiritual child needs to connect to purpose. Now, Jesus makes it very clear in Matthew 28 that God's purpose for the church is to make disciples. And we all have different gifts and abilities to join the mission of the church, and it's, it's so important that our spiritual maturity, uh, for our spiritual maturity, that we use what God has given us to serve Him and to serve others. Without purpose, we, we don't see beyond ourselves and will stay in that self-centered nature of a child and never grow beyond that point. And acts of service can help us find that purpose, and this will change our view from inward to outward. When I introduced this whole series, January 10th, we uh, used Cody and Chelsea Custer's story, and they took us through their story of maturing through these four stages. And it was in this stage where Cody found his purpose. He went on a mission trip to Haiti where he was challenged and stretched and put in situations where he had to rely on God. And God used Cody's experiences to show him an outward view on life rather than the inward view that he had been living. And Cody, for the first time, saw hurt and lost souls like he had never seen them before. And it changed his perspective and he knew he had to do something about it. He found a way to connect to God's purpose. 
Now, those of you who are further along this, uh, in this spiritual journey, listen to Paul's words in Ephesians 4. Because Ephesians 4.12 speaks to those who are m- more mature in their faith. You are to equip God's people for works of service so that the, bo- the body of Christ may be built up. What's the reason for service? We don't serve so that we get something from it. We serve for the sake of others to build up the body of Christ, both in numbers and in strength. And through this, God is glorified. Many people serve, but many people serve without being connected to a greater purpose. Understanding the purpose behind the service is vital because that directs our motive. So what's your motive? Well, children sometimes do the right things, but for the wrong reasons. A child will be good in the store so that mom will buy him a candy bar at the checkout line. That child doesn't really care that being good for nothing is, is helping mom get her tasks done and helps her keep her sanity. That's not really on the child's radar. A spiritual child will serve as long as the personal gain outweighs the cost. Connecting to purpose helps us put life in proper perspective to rid ourselves of that self-centeredness. And Jesus gives us a rather extreme comparison to make this point. In Luke 14, verses 26 and 27, Jesus says, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, You cannot be my disciple. Jesus is serious about where we put our priorities. He's serious about who we put first in in this life. And he's serious about what our motives are. Connecting to God's purpose helps us grow out of that self-centered nature by becoming more giving with who we are and what we have to offer. And a disciple's life ought to be lived sacrificially in thanksgiving to God. And in turn, God's love is spread, and then God will help transform us and mature us. That's what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says. Paul says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, which are driven by selfishness. That's my ad. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Do you see how we are called to a higher purpose that goes way beyond ourselves? And it's time for us to start giving our whole lives to God and connect to his purpose. Spiritual children, you may not know what you have to offer, and that's okay for today, but you need to figure that out. And so we have the class, what do I have to offer? We designed that specifically for spiritual children who need to understand that what they have needs to be given. So on February 28th, Scott Allen is going to lead, what do I have to offer? So you can sign up in the BCC app or find a connections host uh, with help, help to get signed up. Those of you who are a few steps further on your spiritual journey, spiritual children need your help. Invite a spiritual child to get involved. Help them see their worth and abilities to connect to God's purpose. Point out their gifts 
point out a need that they can help meet. A lot of times it's, um, we're almost too humble and we say, oh, I, I don't know if I could do that. And someone else has to speak into us and say, you know, you're actually really good at this. Do you know how you could use that for God's sake? So point things out. A spiritual child may not be ready to lead a life group or, or coordinate a mission trip, and that's okay, but that shouldn't stop you from connecting to God's purpose. Even young spiritual children should be encouraged to get involved in even simple service to begin to connect to the, to the purpose of the church. Let me give you an example. So door greeters, okay? Not a lot of sacrifice involved in being a door greeter. Now, I'm not picking on the, that volunteer position. It's extremely important, but... You know, you sign up on a rotation once, twice a month, and, and this is how a spiritual child might approach uh, being a door greeter. I can do it once a month, uh, but I, I'm not going to show up a minute early because I, I don't want to. I just, I just can't get there, but I'm checking my box and saying, yes, I'm serving. Well, they've totally missed connecting that volunteer role to God's purpose. Here's how a mature disciple approaches this role and connects to God's purpose. A door greeter has untapped power and influence. They can eliminate negative feelings for the people coming in just by smiling, just by greeting them, just by being a joyful person at the door. You think you might be just handing out uh, communion cups, but you have so much more influence than that. And it's time that we learn how to connect our tasks to God's, uh, God's purpose a door greeter has the opportunity to learn faces and names. Do you know how impressive it is and how welcoming it is when you, especially if you're new and you come back the next week and someone says, hi, Evan, they call you out by name. I once attended a church for an entire year before I heard anyone say, hi, Evan. It was almost weird when I, the first time someone did it to me, but I felt welcomed. I felt known. Door greeters have the opportunity to do that and to identify missing regulars. Hey, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. And a mature disciple who is volunteering in that role will then reach out to them and say, hey, I missed you. You have any idea how powerful that is? And that is a lowly door greeter, okay? It doesn't matter what your role is, but it's important that you think about how you see that act of service connecting you to God's purpose. When you're connecting to God's purpose, God uses your actions for exponential growth. Let's talk about that for a minute. Exponential growth. I would argue that it's, it's when people begin to shift from the spiritual childhood stage into the young adult stage where we really see some exponential growth. It's through connecting to purpose that we launch ourselves into this other level of devotion to God. Let's look at Peter. Uh, take Peter, for example. He was an un uneducated fisherman, all right? And he was trained and discipled by Jesus for about three years. And so he was connected to God already, and he was connected to family. He had a spiritual parent, Jesus, and he had his brothers and sisters within the other disciples. So he had those two connections, but he was still a little, little uncertain about this whole Messiah thing and how it was going to play out. But then Peter connects to God's purpose, and we see him really flourish. We see him launched into dependence on the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, and exponential growth happens both within himself and throughout the church because of what he's doing for God. 
He's off making disciples, and never again does he argue with his brothers who is the greatest among us. Timothy, he's just, he was just a simple young man who was well-respected in his hometown. He was already connected to God and to family. But Paul sees the need to connect Timothy to purpose. Paul disciples him and then assigns this young man to the church in Ephesus to train up the older men to be spiritual leaders. You can't tell me that there wasn't some major growth in Timothy's life as he was discipled by Paul, so much so he, he matured to a point where he, a young man, was being called to lead and train older men in their faith to be elders of the church. Timothy was used to create exponential growth throughout Ephesus and beyond because another disciple helped get him connected to his purpose. And it's time that we put ourselves in situations that force us to give up our self-centered, uh, self-centered nature. Can you imagine what God could do through your life if you committed to continuous transformation and you grew in your connection to God and that you grew in your, in your connection to his family and you found your connection in his purpose? Imagine what God could do in your life. Imagine how God's kingdom would spread if Bettendorf Christian Church was made up of disciples who were committed to this spiritual journey called faith. Are we there yet? Not yet. But imagine if we were full steam ahead, striving towards the goal that is set before us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for pouring into us. Thank you so much for setting the example of how to live life and how to disciple others so that they can live life to the fullest. Father, we just ask that you would speak to the spiritual children. We ask that you speak to all, the, uh, all of us wherever we are in our spiritual journey. Help us identify where we are so that we know what steps to take. Help us to be motivated and encouraged to take those steps. Father, you have so much more to give that we have not even begun to conceive. You've given us so much already and we should be pouring out every second of our lives in thanksgiving. Father, we love you. We need your help and encouragement to share your love with others. So Father, I just, I just ask that you would help us connect to you Put people in our lives so we can have a true, deep, relational discipleship with the church family. And Father, help us to understand what we as individuals have to offer and not just make it task-based, but help us to connect to your purpose so that you would receive glory. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen.